So we're going to, um, I'm going to talk about my week at camp here in a second. Um, but first, uh, let's read our scripture for the message today. This is um, Acts 1, or sorry, Acts 9, 1 through 19. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found anywhere, if, they, if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to, to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground. Yes, Saul got up from the ground. When he opened his eyes, he could not see anything. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind, and he did not drink or eat anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias said, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles And their kings, and prepare the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. I'm going to read that one one more time. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Let's pray. Father God, um, thank you for this story. Um, thank you. Uh, thank you that you that you called on Saul and you changed his life so that we can now learn from this story in beautiful ways. In Jesus' name, amen. It's a crazy story, um, and I'm going to dive into it in a second. But firstly, I'll just tell you real quick about my week at Hume Lake. Um, I took this internship um, to figure out whether I wanted ministry to be plan A. 
because in my life so far, it had always been plan B. I'm going to go do soccer. I'm going to go do theater. Whatever the case is, ministry was not plan A. It was always something that, you know, Master, Pastor Mike just said, yeah, you, you, you could do that if you wanted. I was like, yeah, okay, Mike, sure. Um, and so I took this internship basically asking God, all right, is this, I, I want to know if this is my plan A. Show me. Um, and uh, so we get to Hume Lake on the first night, and I'm talking to the director, and he goes, uh, the director of the middle school camp where we're at, and he goes, you guys need a youth pastor for the middle school camp. Uh, do you have one? It's like, no, we don't. And I said, our youth director's over at the high school camp. He's knee-deep in 11 high school boys, so he's not going to be able to come back and forth and oversee what's going on at the middle school camp. And he goes, okay, you do it. Huh? Um, I'm not sure why I didn't expect that, because it makes sense, because we didn't have a youth director, but I wasn't expecting that. Um, and to me, it was clear as day, um, God saying, all right, you want to know if this is your plan A, you want to know if this is what you want to do for the rest of your life, go do it for a week. Let me know how you like it. Um, and I liked it a lot. Um, so I have come to the realization, uh, it's my plan A. I want to do ministry for the rest of my life. And so it's really cool that I get to preach today, and I'm really excited about it because it's about calling. And I have just recently, in this last week, discerned my call to ministry as well. So, so there's three forms or, or, or ways that we are called by God that I want to focus on this morning. Firstly is a call to Christ, a call to a relationship with Christ. We've all experienced that call at some point. Um, it's usually pretty clear, and you can pinpoint that moment in your life when you're like, okay, Jesus is like, come here, right? The second kind of calling I want to talk about this morning is a call to ministry or missional work or whatever God's plan for your career is. And third, a call to support others in what they might be called into. For example, Pastor Mike telling me for years that I could do ministry if I wanted to do it. He was right. Um, so that's a great example of uh, supporting others. Um, and it does also break down into just the very simple supporting others in just a friend way as well. We're called to do that as Christians. So... First, let's, let's look at um, Saul in this story. Has anybody ever heard Jesus' voice coming down from heaven with a blinding light and fanfare and fall on your knees and, and you know, you can't see afterwards and all, all this like crazy, crazy story? Has anybody, that ever happened to anybody? No. Why? Why? Does that happen to Saul? I mean, 
if two years ago that had happened to me, Morgan, I want you to do ministry. Like, do that. That would have been pretty cool for me. Um, but we don't really necessarily have those kinds of experiences, do we? So why is it in this story that he does? It makes sense in this scenario, and here's why. Imagine the lengths one would have to go to to convince Adolf Hitler to become a rabbi. That's what this is. Saul was a man who would kill you for being Christian. So this is a complete 180 turnaround. This is a really, really tall task. The only thing that could convince a man like this to not only give his life to Jesus, but then go out and preach and be this leader in the church is an act of God. An act of God is the only way that this would have happened. So it was necessary that he had this big moment, right? Another thing to think about um, is why, why did God choose to blind Saul specifically? We've seen this in, in, in a lot of different stories in the Bible where God takes away someone's a certain sense that they might have, or speech, hearing, sight. Why is that? Um, I had an English class, I, think, I believe this is my junior year, English teacher, and he had us do a project where you put on a blindfold and you walk around for 24 hours or so completely blind and then write an essay about how it was. So my experience from that was all I could do was think. The only escape from, you know, this thoughts about who I am and um, what I was doing with my life and all this was like listening to music, but you can't listen to music all day. So that experience for me, you know, being blind uh, for even just 24 hours, Saul had to do it for three days, was that I was just thinking the whole time, just in my head, right? Firmly believe that God wanted Saul to be thinking. Um, and obviously he did some thinking because after he had this experience, he went out to be one of the you know, most heard of leaders, uh, Paul, in the church. And secondly, in that thinking, I believe that he was trying to show Saul how dependent on God he was. This is a guy who had a ton of power, did everything for himself, and nobody questioned him. He was in charge. But he had to learn that he was completely dependent on God, even just to walk, right? For me, um, I experienced this in, um, I've had a number of different uh, head injuries in my life, um, and 
sometimes what happens is I can get into this sort of fog, and it doesn't really feel like I'm driving the car, so to speak. Um, and it makes it difficult to like teach on a Wednesday evening, um, that kind of thing. So we had a lock-in about, oh, three months ago. Um, and we had the students have a, um, a midnight church service because we were staying overnight at the church. And Bo asked me, do you want to teach? I was like, yeah, 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 I want to teach. I did not, however, think ahead, wait a minute, your, um, your concussion thing gets worse as the day goes on. And the later it gets and the less amount of sleep you have, the more you feel foggy and you don't know what you're doing, and, right? So it's midnight or past, and we're teaching, or, and we're, we're having this church service uh, in, at night. We're doing worship and everything, and I had planned out basically what I wanted to start with, but I had no idea what I was going to teach about other than just that first like little opening bit. I don't remember how it went. I don't. I was such in a fog and tired and feeling those concussions and whatever it is that it's going that goes on in my head. I was feeling it so much. I don't remember what I said. I don't remember how it went. Bo tells me it went really well. Um, and I don't know if you remember, but you came and you gave me a hug afterwards. That I do remember. And you said, "Nice job, buddy," or, or you know something like that. And uh, do you remember what the first thing I said to you was? I know, I know. It wasn't me. My human body and mind was failing me that night pretty bad to the point where I don't remember what I spoke about. God used that and said, okay, that's fine. Everything you say is just going to be me then. You know, um, which was fine for me um, because I was struggling. And so that was a moment for me that made me realize not only am I dependent on God, but I can depend on God in moments when my human body sucks. And that was something that uh, Saul. I think, needed to learn in this scenario, too. The high school boys at Hume Lake, um, I hear that you guys were talking a lot about humility and what it means to humble yourself before the Lord. Um, That falls into this dependency as well, and I encourage, I'm just talking right to you, Ben, because you're the only one in here, but I encourage you guys to seriously keep wrestling with that. In contrast to Saul's crazy big experience, Ananias has quite the different experience. Ananias has an experience where he is called to support another in what they might be called into. And I'm going to reread verse 10 through 6. Sorry, 10 through 16. 
Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him, Ananias, he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen a vision. A man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he may regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, about how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Two things about this that relates to us. Ananias, it says that he did hear the voice of God. But we say that too sometimes, right? The small, still voice of God, whether it's an actual audible voice or not, whether it's something coming, jumping out of the page at us, or it's something somebody said, that you can hear God in that. How many... Raise your hands this time. How many of you have been called in this way or similar, the small, still voice of God saying, go help that person? So Ananias is more like us in this story. Um, Something I wanted to, to touch on here is that he's called to do something he's super uncomfortable with. And that's often the case. We might have to give something up, and I'll talk about that later. Saul is a guy who, like I said earlier, would kill you because you were Christian. And Ananias is going, God, so you're telling me you want me to go to the guy who will kill me because I'm Christian Um, And pray for him and tell him Jesus sent me. Are you sure? That seems like a terrible idea. But that's what he was supposed to do. That's what he was called to do in that moment. That's the kinds of things that we are called to do. Uh, The youth group, we used to go on Center for Student Missions. Uh, Ben, did you ever go on one of those? Um, I didn't get the privilege to go on um, any of them either. Um, Sometime, ask Jeff if you'd like to hear about them. Uh, They're really cool. And some of the stories I uh, would hear about it would be, you know, let's go into uh, the Tenderloin in um, San Francisco and feed the homeless uh, whilst also avoiding people who are shooting heroin on the street um, and stuff like that. So these things that we are called into that we are super uncomfortable with. For me, uh, with ministry, I I wouldn't say I'm super uncomfortable, but it's an anxious feeling because I don't know what I'm doing. Um, So then I have to 
depend on God like I did earlier. Or like I said earlier. So then, how do we respond to something like that? Where it doesn't necessarily fall into what we think our plan is, or um, you have to give something up in order to answer that call. How do we respond? Well, obviously, yeah, 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 I'll do it, God. Cool. Have a great rest of your morning. Just kidding. Um, don't raise your hands this time. This is, these next questions are not from me. They're from God. Who here has said yes to God's call to be in relationship with him? Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. The greatest commandment is the heading in my Bible. It says that we're called to love God, and that's the purpose of our life. Who here has said yes to God's call to be in relationship with him? A real relationship, one that has two sides, and you're holding up your end of the bargain as well. Who has said yes to God's plan, mission for you? For me, it's, I strongly believe that it's ministry, but it could be a lot of different things. Someone that I kind of think of off the top of my head, uh, Karen Parch. Um, she's a social worker um, and helps a lot of people when they're in really dark places. And that's missional work. That's living God's plan. I'm sure she had a moment where God was like, yeah, 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 yeah. You do that. That's cool. Um, That was just something that I thought of. Who has said yes to God's call to support others in their call to ministry, missional work, or whatever God has called them into? Our church has done a pretty good job of that, at least in my experience. Um, do I think God would have called me eventually to do this? Um, yeah, without the help of Pastor Mike and Beth and others in our congregation who told me I can do this. Um, do I think I would have eventually been called? Yeah, yeah, totally. But their help in that was invaluable. And God was using them in beautiful ways. So I think our church does a pretty good job of that. Um, but just ask ourselves, do we support others in their callings? Do we know what our callings are? And do we have a relationship with God? If, if I'm honest with myself, I knew God was calling me into the future that I'm now striving for. I, I always felt it, but I ignored it. 
and it's super easy to ignore it. That's part of our human nature. And secondly, this idea of sacrifice, something you might have to give up, that makes a decision to strip away what your plan is and to just go with what God's plan is, sometimes very difficult. For me, I had to give up um, a relationship that I had for a few years, somebody who was very close to me, um, and I wouldn't be able to be successful without or with that person in this plan. And that hurt, and it was very difficult for me to do. And yet, it was also a very, very clear decision and something that I believe God was also calling me to do as well as going into ministry. When I think about um, why, why did I ignore it? When I think about it, it's, it's kind of crazy because you know, the thought of it being scary is one thing. Uh, I'm inexperienced. I don't know what I'm doing, right? It's a, it's a kind of a difficult spiritual journey. But I have the most powerful support system in the universe to do this. So why was I, why was I scared? Well, maybe I thought I could have more fun doing something else. It was more comfortable, easy. Um, I love musical theater. I'll always love musical theater. It's a passion of mine, but it's kind of easy in some ways. I'm enjoying this internship more than anything I've ever enjoyed. I got to have this beautiful experience Right, him like, and then come back and then live it. I'm doing right now, at least for the summer, what I want to do for the rest of my life. So, in a lot of ways, it's super cool and it's easy for me to feel strong about the decision I've made because I'm living it, right? But it's not always that easy. Um, most of the time, you got to work for it and try to figure it out which is the unfortunate part. So as we leave this afternoon, ask ourselves, what am I called into? Where am I called to be? And who am I called to be with? not easy things to discern at all. And yet, part of this calling is that God calls us to discern what these things are. So, I'm going to ask the questions one more time. What am I called into? Where am I called? And who am I called to be with? And if you ask God these questions enough times and be persistent and show him that you really want to know. 
will tell you.